Classical rebellion. Yes. The audacity of what we're trying to accomplish here. I feel audacious. I, it, you know, it's, it could be, on the one hand, considered a little bit douchey, I think. To have an like, opinion is douchey? No, 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 no. To have an informed opinion is douchey. Well, everyone's opinion is informed In the by United, their yeah. by their by their personal predilections and their experience. But I mean, if anything in the new social media age, I don't see how anyone can be you know, unless you're you're ideologically opposed to them having an opinion that you would call could call them douchey. It's like everybody yeah. has access to. If you don't like somebody else's opinion, say something. Yeah. But just the like, it is audacious. Like, by the way, folks, this is how you listen to a classical music concert. Step one. <laughs> but it is, that is what we're doing. You know, I, I submitted an article. Step one, listen to the, familiarize like, yourself with the music I, I, beforehand. Well, yes. Yes and no. Yeah. Uh, but I submitted an article that got rejected by the reader. Because so you're a douche. Because, yeah, because I was too, here's my theory. I think I was too late on the week of the 4th of July with my piece. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be in print. That was about Beethoven. Uh, that's going to be in print this issue. Okay. Okay. So it was delayed. So it wasn't what, rejected. It was delayed. Yeah. And so then the one I wrote about audience having a, um, a uh, 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 process for going to concerts. That one wasn't necessarily needed because there was already one for this week. Right. So instead of saying, hey, you were late last week. We don't need this article. I got this whole, this is just, you know, uh, lazy meandering thoughts. <laughs> and I was like, so I went back and forth with my editor quite a bit on it. Like, no, this is the culmination of 10 years of me actually being able to verbalize I've taken all the conversations I've had with instrumentalists and vocalists and concert masters. People like me. And conductors and opera singers and soloists and trumpeters and horn players and violinists. And I've listened to, I've listened to them talk about listening. I know myself how I listen in a choral situation. And I finally translated that over into how I listen as an audience member. And I think it's profound. For me, for sure it is. Um, but since I didn't quote anyone, or like, you know, aren't there, I said, aren't there any conductor or, or composer quotes about this? And I said, no, there are none. Because those aren't audience members. Right, right. You know, what about quotes from musicians? I said, there's no direct quote from a musician that says what it is on the, that I'm getting at. I've had to extrapolate what they're saying about listening in an orchestra into not keep in mind I only have four to five hundred words. If I had a thousand to fifteen hundred words, then yeah, I could get into the whole I mean, thing. To be honest, it sounds like a chapter in a book. I mean, yeah. that you probably ought to write. Right. Because you know, remember that book that I showed you, the uh, the Music Lover's Companion. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that there's, yeah. there is always a need for a book like that in. In, or a in every generation, or a podcast. Yes. That's right. Or but a I YouTube mean, channel. Yeah, but I mean, it should it, it should be in print someplace because I mean, it's, it sounds corny, but <laughs> how to listen to classical music? That's what we're doing. <laughs> I just struck me the audacity of it. <laughs> listen up, peasants. 
<laughs> this is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, like I say, it's a, there, there's a need for that kind of yeah. instruction. I mean, because everybody and everybody deserves to have an avenue in. Mm-hmm. You know, they deserve to have some broad, you know, road signs up for them to follow. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no shame in that. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, it's easy to look down your nose at the old, you know, uh, things like, how to listen to classical music. <laughs> but, you know, especially in this yes. day and age, I think, a few of the, I, think, I think a few of those pointers could probably, you know, by Professor Longhair back in yeah. the old days, you right. know, it's like, when we approach classical music, <laughs> one must first one must first identify the theme. Be sure that one has count- firmly emplaced yes. in one's hand a glass of scotch. And then the extrapolation, and then the counter melody, and key change, recapitulation, and well, if you can't actually define any of that, then what you know? You how, st- how could anyone like you know criticize a, a a thing like how to go to a concert? Right. You know, let's hear you define it. Yeah. So no, I, I'm sorry to hear that, but I think you should try and work it. Right. So is it going to be in? It's going to be on our. We we need to start writing more for the website as well. We okay. need to hit all. So video, audio, and written word. So you you can write a great piece, I think, on your idea of what it means to be. Um, what was it? Uh, that you said last. You went on a nice. Role in the last episode. Yes, I was rather counting on you to be on the role this evening. Um, yeah. No, well, but uh, what? I, cur- not curated. What did you, you use the word? Cultured. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but you should write a piece. I'll have to on go it. back and listen to my own podcast. <laughs> it's on our Facebook. It's on our Facebook. It's I put like about a minute and a half clip on our Facebook. Okay. Of, of you doing? It's when I said preach it, John, and you said Hallelujah. <laughs> well, let me remember that part. I just can't. Put my finger on the word. Right. But here's the three things I identified as to begin with. Drowsiness at a concert. That's number one, in my opinion. If you're drowsy at a concert, you're miserable. Yeah. For first world problems, that's maybe the worst. To be in a situation where you want to fall asleep, but you you, you shouldn't. Or you can't. Or mm. you... I hate it. I hate, like so. I have I have my approach to avoiding that. I haven't been drowsy at a concert. No, there's there's nothing wrong with having decade. an approach to avoiding it. But I mean, there are some times when the music is more of an anesthetic than anything else. <laughs> you know, from the onslaught of life. Um, I remember one time I I came back when I came back from London in the early '90s. Um, I had a tape with me of uh, that I had recorded. In the Carmelite Church in Kensington, I showed up. I was caught, got a call from, "Hey, do you want to sing the Misa Pape Marcelli?" It's, uh, I think it was for Assumption or something. And sure, so I pitched up. We rehearsed it for forty-five minutes. Uh, guy, a few guys went over some chant. We went to the church and we you sang pitched it. Pitched up. What's that? What's pitched up? Pit, to pitch up for something is to arot, to show up. Oh, you're so using, I, sorry. You're I showed using up. your your British slang. I am unashamedly as well. I mean, that's that's standard. You pitch up for stuff. But anyway, anyway, uh, so I I showed up and okay. and um, and we we and this wonderful group of semi professional singers and, and professional choristers. There was probably about sixteen people there, or you know, maybe a dozen. We sang the Misa Papi Marcelli, and it was absolutely glorious. Um, and uh, 
people were yes, I ta- And I taped it. And I brought it back with me. And a friend of mine at the, at the time was suffering with cancer. And uh, mm-hmm. he ended up living quite a few more years. But um, I, he was ill at the time and, and, um, and was in bed. And I, I went over to see him. And I said, hey, I, I brought this with me. I thought you might like to hear it. This is some, a, a very good example of my music making over there. And I'm kind of proud of it. And you know, I put it on. And, I, and this is a person who was completely irreligious. I mean, he was an atheist. An agnostic, perhaps. Okay. And, um, but was cer- you know certainly not very predisposed to Christianity or anything. Uh, and I, I put it on, and he's he's sort of like leaned back, and within about four minutes he was asleep. Huh. And that was absolutely a blessed relief for him. And so sometimes a concert sure. can be more. You know, therapeutic in an anesthetic way, but I do take your point about. Right. I mean, if if one goes to a concert and suffers from drowsiness simply out of a state of sort of flummoxed um, uh, disorientation, right? That's a bad thing. Yeah, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, and there should be some guidance for how to avoid that. Yeah, mine is I take I I have some sort of caffeine at about four o'clock. Okay, and then I make it through the concert. Fine, and I can go then go to sleep by eleven, eleven thirty. I don't recommend that for everyone because you have to know your system and how it responds to caffeine. <laughs> you know, there's people who could take. Well, I need to wait till seven thirty at night, or if I have caffeine after twelve thirty in the afternoon, I'm going to be up till twelve thirty the next day. Right. Um, the second thing I identified was I tend to restlessly wait for the climaxes and my favorite points in the music. Ah, yes, the classic FM approach. Yes. The best 15 minutes yeah. of musical orgasm So I might listen to uh, an aria just kind of anxiously waiting for the high note. <laughs> Yet when the high note arrives, if it doesn't fulfill my expectations or my hopes... Then the rest of your waiting has been in vain. Then it makes me condemn everything that happened before. There could have been some very fine things that happened beforehand, but I didn't listen to them because I was playing the end, which is a bad thing to do if you're an actor. This is absolutely true. Oh, my goodness. I I saw that happen at at Antony and Cleopatra in uh, Stratford-upon-Avon in the summer of... Really? uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a dire production. (laughs) Dire. It was a tragedy from the moment they set foot on stage. I mean, it really was. They, they, it, it was. It took about four and a, four hours. It was interminable, and they. It, it was tragic. From there was no none of the humor. Ah. They, you know, was presented. It was all sort of foreshadowed with the the. Yeah, the, this isn't going to end well. The tincture of tragedy, <laughs> and now correspondingly, uh, I went to see Antony and Cleopatra at the Globe a few years later with Mark Rylance doing Cleopatra. And it was absolutely. And I thought, okay, this is going to be no, really. They do a really good job. Really there. kitschy um, uh, recreationism, and it was fabulous, mm-hmm. absolutely fabulous. And I'll tell you why. We need to go to the Globe, and we need to talk about. No, this was this was the Globe, the Bankside oh, the Globe, Globe in, in the, London. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Mark Rylance at, at his peak, but the reason that it was so good was because a, it they didn't they played it. With more pace, you know, twice as much pace as they had in Stratford, the it it, it moved, um, and the humor was simultaneously present and highlighted by the fact that a man was playing a woman. 
there are, and I, I can't, I, I would struggle to, to make any citations, but if you, if you read that with that in mind, that, those first scenes, there are, there are lines that are just, you know, wonderfully ironic when you take it in that context right. you know and it's like the audience had a good laugh at that and so did Shakespeare's audience because right. they were in the know obviously about that yeah and it, it was that's something that's that's a very good reason you know for for doing it that way because you're going to discover elements that only make sense if you do it that way mm -hmm. hum humorously right and I must say his 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 uh, death speech um, was truly poetically moving. Mm. It was absolutely wonderful. But so yes, yeah. Don't yeah. don't foreshadow the. Yeah. So for those who don't climax. know what playing the end means, as an actor, you know what's going to happen to your character before it happens. You've read the, you've memorized <laughs> the script, but you cannot let your knowledge as an actor of what's coming. Shadow and that includes a musical act and being a musical accuse, actor. Yes, you cannot let it shadow your character's current experience of context. I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, in other words, and so what I've been doing is letting what I know coming is coming in the music, waiting for the big bang or the big high note. Right. I've let that disqualify the current context of what's leading up to it and it's not an uncommon thing i don't think for an audience to no every to be waiting for the for the you know you know we have to think about um that the, but it is damaging to your experience well i mean if overall. you want to carry it a step further you as an artist also know that at the end of the night you're going to be in the pub at 11 you know at about 10 45 <laughs> having a pint you know and what can often happen if you especially if you're in We're a still long, in england apparently. A, a long running production no you can be here you know if you're in a long running production after the first week or so. I'm and, in a pub with the and, pint. And it, no, it could be Shakespeare's down on India Street. Okay, fine. Um, and you, you, you go start going through the motions, mm. and it's just like you know, it's what what was a sequence of acts. Uh, I mean, like of of physical actions becomes one continuous ride, and before you know it, you're just going through the motions because you right. know the ride. Yeah, and you, mentally you're already in the pub, and you know what? That happens for musicians too, and mm -hmm. the audience can tell. Yeah, the audience can tell. What happens to audience members too? I have no doubt. Yeah, I mean, remember that? Uh, well, and like I said, that 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 uh, viola player who's you know is going to bottle that experience oh, yeah. and take it back to yeah. see how many eighteen twelve overtures yeah. it's going to last him. Yeah, and then the third thing, I, it was more difficult to express, uh, and it's what I. I'm calling um, stereographic listening. So remember back in the 90s, stereographs were popular, which was like a, a looked like a mishmash of dots and lines. But if you really softened your eyes and tried to kind of stare, like if you do this. Oh, yeah, there's a meme about that yeah, on, uh, on you Facebook. You do this and you see the little hot dog in the middle. Mm -hmm. It would do that. Um, right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The 3D yeah, yeah. thing would kind of pop out of the, and like you could even get way back from it and would kind of follow you. Mm -hmm. um, if I soften my listening, so instead of focusing my my aural attention on a specific thing, if I try to soften it and hear, try to just hear as much as I can, mm -hmm. this kind of 3D like effect thing takes over that I, I can't hold it very long. 
it, it just it's in fits and stuff. Gets the, then I'll focus. My ear will will be drawn to something that happens in the music, and it'll kind of or someone dropping a ladder backstage. Yeah, or someone yeah dropping a ladder backstage. It tends to happen. But um, so that was my third my third uh, well, point or approach to a uh, successful experience at. I mean, it's a difficult proposition when you get right down to it. it I mean, is. there are so many variables that can affect the the concert going and listening experience, and you, it's tempting to say that you know it's up to the orchestra to to engage the attention of the audience and to keep it. I mean, that just cannot happen in a universal sense because mm-hmm. different people have different days and different people have different you know life things yeah. going on, and colored by those days and those life experiences you know music means different things to different yeah. people on every hearing you know i mean yeah. i i will never forget you know hearing the dream of gerontius the year that my grandmother and my brother-in-law died mm. it was a shattering experience mm. i i don't think i would probably uh, approach it with such a high degree of emotionalism right. today but um i'll never forget that experience but I, it doesn't mean i don't want to hear the dream of gerontius um yeah i've found over the years the number one factor for me which influences my concert experience is the companionship involved so who i'm with really colors so first of all if i am with anyone if or you are with i mean yeah if i'm solo right that make, that's a huge makes a huge difference if you're at the right concert with the wrong person it's still going to kind of be the wrong concert. Yeah, it, it can it be hugely really, distracting yeah. and limiting. Uh, I've had some of my, my many of my best concert experiences uh, have been by myself. Mm-hmm. Some have been in the company of people Me. that I both, well, you, and people that I, I knew well and didn't know at all, really. <laughs> but um, they'll never guess. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, it, it, it's a... I'm trying to think of, of, I mean, one time I heard uh, Tristan and Isolde at ENO with a perfectly amenable concert going companion, but I had gastroenteritis at the time, so that oh. wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> uh, I did, I made it through the show, though. Um, um, I, I saw Tristan in, in, at uh, LA Opera back in the 90s, I think. Yeah, 90s. And in the third act... Uh, someone did one of these. <laughs> Speaking of being oh, drowsy. Well that gets Speaking a... of being drowsy. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us back to the Mozart Festival the other night when somebody went, they went, um, I think it was the last concert. They, were, uh, uh, they, they played an orchestral figure. And somebody went, I just about yeah. lost it. It was so perfect. <laughs> I knew you'd remember that. Yeah, that was good. I was sitting up in the balcony, and it was just you know the person I was with, and we just corpsed now over. Now that's a different. That's a different element of restlessness. So my restlessness is playing the end. Another area of restless, audience restlessness is the cough. Oh well, yeah. But, I mean, come on. You you have to, you have to. If you're going to indulge in the live concert experience with your fellow man, mm-hmm. you're going to have to also bear with their coughs and farts and rustlings and 
you know, I mean. Yeah, it just appears to me that the cough is usually happens in a slow movement, and someone is maybe they're going someplace they don't want to go in there. <clears throat> they they yeah. they came to break it up. Uh, my friend who teaches yoga, who used to be in the opera chorus, said he sees it all the time in a yoga class. He'll see someone. He can tell when someone's kind of getting into really into the pose, and then they'll they'll like clear their throat. Or do some kind of like that <laughs> breaks up what the actual potential of what they the activity they were in. Right, right. And he correlates that to the the concert cough when there's a clearly a dry cough. If you're not moving any material, well, I mean, <coughs> no, that's bullshit. Well, it it is, but then I mean, like sometimes people just choke on saliva. You know, I'm not I saying mean. it bothers me. I'm just saying it's another element of restlessness. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, yeah, you're not going to change. There have been so many. So, I, I, you know, what can I say? I have found the the the, the overall manners and behavior uh, of the concert going public that I have shared concerts with this year pretty far below average hmm. on many occasions. I've had to talk to oh, some people. Oh, that's right. You had the. I mean, it was, balcony, and, and, and uh, other people were with me. The balcony snack train. <laughs> oh, and, yes, and other people were with me who 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 commented on this, who 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 saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you mean you have a witness? I do have. I have. A, I am prepared to call witnesses. Yes, to but defend your curmudgeon. This is not. I mean, you know, this is not new. I remember a long time ago when I in in the nineties I came back when they did that. Um, they did that uh, Rigoletto directed by that Australian Bruce Beresford, uh, which was set at Duke Mantua's Hollywood uh, residence. Oh, yeah, I was in that. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, that was most unfortunate. Um, I bought one of the shirts. <laughs> really? Yeah, they sold some of the costume pieces. Um, that was one of the most ridiculously misconceived things I've ever it seen in my bad. life. Yeah. Not notably for the fact that... that um, uh, the film that they're watching at Duke's house at, at the beginning, you know, this big Mercedes-Benz swings its nose into the camera, you know, and the season was sponsored by Audi. Oh, right. It's like you would have thought they would catch yeah. that. Right. Um, Audi didn't sponsor any future seasons of San Diego Opera. That's funny. Um, yeah. Um, but there, I remember uh, there, were, there was a... A couple in their 30s behind me, you know, I mean, they, they were old enough to know better. Oh. And they had brought their drinks with them into the theater, which was new to me, because in the old days you couldn't do that. Um, but they had a beer and she had a glass of wine. And so they're, they're, they're talking, you know, whispering in the back. And then they start up um, Questa Quella, mm-hmm. you know, and she goes, I know this one. And I turned around and I just went, shh, come on. I know. Look, I want you to enjoy the opera, <laughs> but boundaries, yeah. boundaries, you That's know. That's good. Yeah. And that was that was back in the in the in I think that was maybe two thousand and one or something. Mm-hmm. Two thousand two. Yeah, it was two thousand. No, no. Two thousand. One or two. I think it was one or two. Yeah. And and anyway, no, Trovatore was two thousand. I blame, I I blame Ian Campbell. I I blame him for the lack of cultivation of the opera audience for the the putting a lack of 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 tasking them with the responsibility of being simultaneously an attentive and an active participant in the opera. Oh, you know? well, that's why we're doing this. But that's it's why we're help. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I know, I, I, I concur with your points. Yeah. I think it's entirely rational. It makes good sense. You know, I was going to say, 
when I went to see Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway, it wasn't as good as the one you were in at Lamb's Place, in my opinion. What yeah, can I say? Yeah. It, it would, the, I bet the, the, the guy who, was actually quite disappointed. The, the guy who played Mordka was probably far under my yeah. quality. You know, I'm just saying. The whole thing was adding 11. Tevye always addressed God in a frenetic high pitch. Come yeah. on! Type thing. Like, and he never got quiet. He never played any opposites. No, he yelled pretty much yeah. continuously. Um, however... At right. intermission, they come out with all the candy, man. They come find you. <laughs> they don't like wait for you to get out to the concessions. They're like, here we are. Well, it's a small enough theater they can yeah. do that. And uh, so you people are, ah, ah, candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long show. <laughs> and, you know, the lights go down. And, and uh, yeah, five, ten minutes in to the next act. Uh, oh, no! Yes. <laughs> So someone in front of me is like, like you had time to unwrap your candy. The hand goes on the shoulder. And then someone maybe two rows behind me just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it stopped. I was like, wow. That's... Wait, no, this was in New York? This was in New York. Oh, in New York. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it, though. It's like, this is my kind of city. <laughs> well... No, I'm not criticizing, you know, I'm certainly not discouraging concert goers when I say that. You know, it's critical. You guys got to go to concerts. You need to go. You know, at a Pops concert in the summertime, it's like all bets are off. Yeah, of You know, course. have all the, you know, make all the noise you want. I don't care. Set off yeah. fireworks. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, that's for having fun. In in a, in a main stage... Um, Masterworks. Before, Masterworks, yeah. you know, indoor concert in, in the, as part of the, the principal season. It's a, it's a different beast. And... I think if we if we ask the audience to and I'm talking primarily to, to younger people, you know, mm. but but increase your dimensionality to include that other be, become that if if that's another beast, you know, then become another beast stalker, you know. I mean, you you stalk concerts out on the green in one way, and in, you stalk them in oh, another way right. in the yes. you know, in pursuit of the aesthetic experience and uh, indoors mm-hmm. and. You know, you can get away yeah. with you can't get away with making as much noise indoors. So, right. But then it ends up benefiting your your perception of the concert through you know the attention you're able to focus on it yeah. as well. It's, it's a muscle building. You're right. Process. Enjoy the 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 difference. Yeah. It. Oh, I I like the pops because I can. Well, then fine. But it's great. You know, you don't see people in Congress showing up for you know a vote in bikinis. Because it's not give it appropriate. A, give it a few months. <laughs> yeah, give it a few. 